Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Any of you have some annoying things that drive yourself and your spouse crazy if you have a spouse? Any, anybody? Right? Come on, raise your hands. Anybody? Right? Okay. I, I would love to say, what is it? But I don't want to put your spouse on the spot. I don't want to say, John Spolstra, tell me. Susan, tell me. Shannon and Amy, tell me about it, one another. No. Mike and Debbie will leave you all alone. But in all fairness, or even Chris Carbone, you probably do some annoying things too, don't you? Not one? Okay. So... There's two things that I had to really think about even coming to church. My keys and my phone. Because I lose them all the time. Susie Q, do I get an amen? Thank you. <laughs> but literally, like, it drives me crazy. Like, I was going to do something today, like, hide it on a shelf, put it under a chair. And I'm like, seriously, I'm going to really lose it. And someone's going to get a free iPhone. I'm not doing it. So instead of trying to be more creative, I lose these two very important tools all the time. Not every day, let me correct that, but a lot. Now, so, why is this important? Because we all lose stuff. Can I say amen? amen. Okay, More, that was a little bit louder from the male side than the female side. But, but what does this have to do with Sunday morning? What does this have to do with Sunday morning? It has a lot to do. Because what we are going to do this fall, and we do this about every five years, we go through the DNA of the church, the DNA of the global church, the DNA of the historical church. And what I love about our denomination is the DNA of the historical global church is the same DNA of our denomination called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And so when we think about the word DNA, it's, it's, it's a short nickname for the genetic information inside the cells of the body that help us make people who they are, right? When we talk about the DNA of a, a company, the DNA of a, of a team, the DNA of a group of people, the DNA of a, of a sports team, you're really saying, what is it that you value most? And not only what you value most, but what you emulate without even thinking about it. Right? And so, what does losing my keys and losing my phone have anything to do with the DNA of the historical church? You see, there's something we're going to see throughout all of Scripture where people matter to God most, more than anything else. And people get lost. Can I get an amen? amen. And I'm going to show you how we've all been lost at some point. And so the way that we begin the DNA of who we are as a Christian community is this. Lost people matter to God. Let's pray. Jesus, I want to ask you for a fresh anointing. I want to ask you for a 2022-23 anointing. I thank you for the privilege of shepherding this church for the last 14 years. And God, I ask you today that, that our gathering, before we scatter, would be an opportunity to see the heart of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Luke 15, verse 1 through 10 reads this. It's a parable. What's a parable? It's a heavenly story with an earthly meeting. So if you ever want to know what a parable it is, it's a heavenly story, a heavenly illustration with an earthly meeting. It says, tax collectors and, and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Seriously, Jesus? Even went to their house? So Jesus told them this story, this parable. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he is found? Until he's found it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home. And I love this illustration. On his shoulders. That sheep that got exhausted from running away. The shepherd picks up that sheep and puts the sheep on his, on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my, my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So that's the first part. So, so many people in the crowd were like, hmm, that means something to me. But here's what Jesus does. He pushes it a little bit further. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coin, coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice. With me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Think about that. So, let's talk a little bit about the background. Understanding the parable. Luke chapter 15. This actually comes after what we began last year with the prodigal son. It's towards the end of Jesus' ministry. The religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Zealots, the Pharisees have all heard the message already. And as Jesus' ministry is growing and as his teaching is having more and more power in the midst of communities, there's not an embracing of Jesus. There's an anger towards him that why does he hang out with certain people? Why? Why does he hang out with certain people? Why is he hanging out with the notorious sinners? Those who are far from God. Why isn't he giving us our time? We're the religious. We're the righteous. We're the ones that are following the Torah. We are the ones going to the synagogue. We are the ones going to the temple. And so I love what it says in Scripture in these moments. It's not even that he hears the grumbling. He knows their hearts. And so even though he heard the grumbling, he knew their hearts. And he says, let me give you a few illustrations. The first was the prodigal, which we studied last year. But then he brings up more because he wants to drive home his point. It's like us as parents. 
That when we want to drive home a point to our children, or let's take it away from us to our parents, we've all been raised by someone or been coached by someone or taught by someone. Whenever they want to make a point, how many times do they tell you? Multiple. In multiple ways. And you're thinking, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. Stop. But the truth is, they didn't get it. So he gives us illustration. He gives us illustration about a shepherd losing one of his sheep. And this was a big, big fold. A hundred and one. And we live in a world where we say, come on, it's one sheep. What's the big deal? What's the big deal? But to that shepherd, it was more than just a sheep. It was an animal that he was raising from birth to be able to be part of the herd, to multiply, to allow his herd to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and to be part of his world. And so when he lost a sheep, it was almost like in some ways losing something almost like a child, but not his child. But there's an intimacy of losing something of great value And not worrying about the other 99, because the 99 were together, and they were not going to run away because they would all herd together. And so he left them all and found them. And I think it's very specific when he says that he picked up the sheep and put them on the shoulders, and he brought them back. There's that intimacy of God that we lose. And I believe here at the plant, it's something we lean into very, very much, that that we serve a loving, graceful, intimate God. But then he says, hey, if you don't get it, let me give you another one. There was a woman. She had how many coins? Ten. So she had ten coins. Did she have more than ten coins? No. Let's remember that. It wasn't like this was her piggy bank, and then she had another bank account, and then another portfolio, and then another portfolio. No, 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 no. All she had was ten coins. And if you want me to theologically push this really, really far, she probably was a widow because of the way the illustration is being brought up. All she had was 10 coins, and she lost one of the 10. So 10% of all of her wealth was lost in that one coin. And what did she do? She did everything to find that coin. She turned on the lights. She took out the broom. She swept underneath everything, and then she rejoiced. Think about that. If over the last year you lost 10% of your portfolio, what would you do? Brings it to the heart of it, right? Brings it to the heart of it. Now think about this. These are two things of great value. Two things of great value. But isn't there something that we value more than things and possessions? Think about that. Aren't there things that we value more than things and possessions? So let me give you an illustration. We had four kids under in five years, and it was a crazy season. Right now, all of our kids are in college or older. Yes! We are grandparents. Yes! And this weekend felt different than every other weekend over the last 22 years. Yes, 
my wife had some sorrow, and I was bouncing with joy. And it was beautiful. I'm like, we're going to breakfast. We're going to dinner. We're, we're, we're doing, we're going rollerblading. Rollerblading. But, but it was just one of those excitement times. But I'll never forget, in, in having little children, which we loved, we loved. And the reason I get excited is because my wife told me, she said, embrace parenting. Have no regrets. And parents, I have no regrets. No regrets. So one day, I was at our old church, and I was working in my office, and Susie Q calls me frantic. And she's like, he's gone. I'm like, who's gone? The dog? Scooby? No, Ben. I'm like, what do you mean he's gone? What did you do? Right? Don't we just always blame someone? Right? It was her fault. It wasn't. And she's like, listen, the kids were all in the back. The gate was closed. They were playing. And he just took off. And she's like, and a strange van just drove by. I'm like, seriously, come on. Get in my car, my old school Impala. I fly home. And for what was about 10 minutes, felt like eternity. Anyone been there before? Do I get an amen for that? Right? A little louder, please, because there are things we value. And so in this, we're looking all over. And I'm running by this one house. I'm running by this one house. I'm running by this one house. Sue's trying to keep the kids calm. She's looking all over. And then Brandon comes out of nowhere, and he says, he's at the Funchin's house. I'm like, what's he doing at the Funchin's house? And there's little Benny, if you know anything about Ben, he sometimes can be a little misminded. I won't say this in the second service because he will be here then. <laughs> and here he was, all little three foot of him shooting hoops, shooting hoops. And he didn't even know he was lost. But we found him. And at the church office, I wanted to, <laughs> but when I saw him, I just wanted to embrace him, thinking that I would lose him forever. It was literally like, brings back raw emotions. And we rejoiced. We probably did pizza that night. We celebrated because Ben was found. Think about what scripture says. The Bible tells us, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Plant family. The heart of God is humanity. Plant family. When people are lost, and I'm going to show how we have all been lost, God will do everything in his power that you will have the opportunity to be found. Why? Because people matter most to God. People matter most to God. John 3, 16, for God so loves the world that he sent his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. Yes, I wanted to judge little, little Benjamin then, but no, I wanted him found, but to save the world through him. And we see all throughout history all throughout biblical history, people are lost. Each one of us, including Pastor Rob, yes, a notorious sinner, was lost. And God has gone throughout history that we would all be found. Look in the Garden of Eden. 
And when you look at different scenarios of different people, people got lost for different reasons. Some were deliberate reasons. Some they were just had no idea they were lost. Adam and Eve, knuckleheads. God said, do everything you want, but the one thing, you never tell your child that. Okay? Not that God failed in parenting, but I'm saying, you never tell your children, don't do this one thing. Right? And he said, don't. It was a trust. It was learning trust with one another. Do you trust me? That's what God was saying. Do you trust me? And they were saying what? No. And so they deliberately got lost. And I will say this. We think they just ran back into the garden. I think they ran into the woods because they were hiding behind a tree. Think about that. They deliberately got lost. And then you see Abraham. Abraham was someone who was far from God, yet was worshiping other gods. And what does God do? He reveals himself to him and says, hey, you have a heart after the things of of the divine, but you're worshiping the wrong divine. How many people are doing that, right? They're chasing. They're chasing after something. They don't even know they're lost until God reveals himself. And then you look at Esther. Circumstances caused her to live in the crossfires of culture. That she didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to believe. She wasn't worshiping Yahweh. Her uncle was. And then her uncle challenges her. You are getting caught in the crossfires of culture. And God is calling you to know him and stand up for his people. Plant family. Many Christians are getting caught in the crossfires of culture. And it's time that we hold the biblical line so that we can live in the power of who we are as children of God. But there are many people who are getting lost in the crossfires of this cultural chaos. Peter got so wrapped up in his world, he failed rabbi school. Did you know that? Peter failed rabbi school. That's why he wasn't a rabbi, and he was a fisherman. So what did he do? He went and he got caught up in the economy. He got caught up in his vocation. And Jesus saw him and he says, hey, come follow me. I want to make you fishers of men. And it's true. There are things that disappoint us or opportunities we take that blind us from the powerful work of Jesus in our life. I say this all the time. Your vocation is your gospel vehicle. God has placed you, each One of you, whether you work for someone or you own your own business, that's your gospel vehicle. The woman at the well, circumstances, put her in a place of loneliness. The woman who was bleeding, she was so caught up in her illness, she was running to find medical assistance that she couldn't even see God. But when she saw Jesus, she was found. And what about Thomas? Mr. Anxiety. Have we allowed the anxieties of our life to keep us from seeing how much Yahweh really loves us. And God says, I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. I'm going to send my son to show you how real, how true, how present I really am. People matter most. I actually was accused of loving too much. Seriously. We had a family leave this church one time. They say, you'd love too much. You'd love too much. How do you love too much? Seriously, how do you love too much? How do you love people too much? 
How can we not love people as God loves us? How can we not see the brokenness in people when God has shown us the brokenness in us? And it's true. People matter most to God. Why? Because we are his greatest creation. You can look at everything you have in your house, but if you can't value the people you love in that house, you've missed the heart of God. Amen. So God finds us. We do not find God. God finds us. God searches us out. God finds us. He sent his son. His son sent his spirit. His son, the spirit filled us, and we now are part of the finding narrative. God goes to any length to reveal himself through Jesus to us in spite of our hiding, in spite of our hiding, in spite of our sins and all the ways in which we disrupt our own lives. God still finds us. In spite of the ways in which we intentionally or unintentionally walk away from God. I love that when Jesus found me, I thought I was unfindable. Unfindable. I was living in such a dark depression, no one even knew. No one even knew. And yet he knew. He knew. When I went to go jump off a hundred-foot building, his spirit spoke to me. How cool is that? How cool is it? God doesn't speak. Yeah, he does. He does. Proof's in the pudding. He finds us. And I could have said no. And I could have jumped. And I could have missed his eternal plan. But I knew that voice was not a human voice, but a divine voice. So what does it mean to be lost? How do we know if we're lost? How do we know if the people around us are lost? Let me give you eight Ds, just because it sounds really good. Directionless. Do you know people or yourself who has no purpose and, mean, and they feel meaningless in their, their lives? Defenseless or defensive? See that? Two-sided coin. Defenseless or defensive? Defenseless, vulnerable, helpless, defensive, easily offended or angered, discouraged, lifeless, no joy, Disconnected, lonely, tired, isolated, depressed, sunken, sad, and hopeless, devilish. Any devilish people out there? Do I get an amen? Amen. Right? Why did my voice change? Right? Sinful, unrighteous, devastated, overwhelmed, ravaged, desolate. Yes. Bringing it back to the parable. Things get lost of great value. And all of us in some stage of our life has been lost. Has been lost. And even as followers of Jesus, we get lost again. Do I get an amen? Right? Some of you have church PTSD. Church PTSD. You have church wounds that has pushed you far from God, and you're trying to find the plan to give you a second chance to find the heart of God. How do I know? I talked to someone yesterday with a little church PTSD. And some of you have been so hard, you're like, I don't know if I want to re-engage because what are they going to ask me to do? It's not what we're going to ask you to do. What does the Father want you to engage with? Are you lost? When I brought up those eight Ds, is there someone that just kind of jumped out to you and said, yeah, so-and-so. I don't want to say any names because someone might have that name in here, right? But a friend, a neighbor, you're like, yeah, that person, they are lost. 
wait a second. Am I wandering in the woods? So, why did Jesus give this parable? Let's bring it back, church. Because you're here saying, I'm found or I want to be found. Amen? I'm found or I want to be found. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. So we got to be really careful when we say we're preaching to the choir. Because I think pastors oftentimes yell at the wrong people. Right? <laughs> they literally have like to say, use a platform for the wrong things. But, but what are barriers to the heart of God? And this is what I see when I study this passage of scripture, the barriers to the religious leaders. And even to the church today. One is apathy. Exhaustion. You're tired. You've done this for a long time. School year's beginning. Here we go, back on the merry-go-round of life and church and things, and all of a sudden, I'm tired. Anyone feeling apathetic? Today you need grace. Today you need grace. Two, fear. Your fear of association. Your fear of, like, what happens if I really embrace what God has in store? Am I going to stretch myself too thin? Am I going to put myself in really vulnerable situations? Or am I going to make relationships with people that are really different than me? Whether personally, morally, ethically. Like, come on, God, who's the person you're going to invite into my life? Because when we invite people into our lives, life gets messy. But then there's this idea, a superiority. That yes, the church has thought too often that they're, that they're better than everybody. Plan family. Every church should be filled with notorious sinners. Every church. Every church should be filled with people that are far from God, searching for God. Every church should be filled with people who were once notorious sinners, who have been found by God, who have the heart of God to reach out to those who are stepping into this community, to love them and minister and bring them into a place of being found. Plant family. We are not superior. We have been humbled because the God of the universe has found us. Do you realize that? We should be humbled to be able to be invited into people's lives whose lifestyles or actions or political views or, or family structures are different than us because we have been welcomed in to share the hope we profess. Love it. Mm, love it. Being with those who are different than me is like a really good meal. Because God is always teaching me the heart of God. Because I was once that person who walked into a church who was the notorious S-I-N-er. The notorious sinner. And God found me. And if you're here, you've been found. So what's your barrier? What's your barrier? So where's this going, Pastor Rob? Growing up, there are certain games we used to love to play. I grew up in Allendale, as I've shared 4,000 times. Um, my wife and I walk there all the time. We pray through that community. That community is in so much trouble because revival is going to hit that town, and it's going to be a beautiful day. Oh, Allendale, you are in trouble. <laughs> but we used to play in the woods all the time. And there are certain games that kids play. Remember hide-and-seek? How many of us love hide-and-seek, Right? Right? Sometimes we would play even as parents hide and seek so we can get some jobs done while our kids hid a little bit longer than they should have. <laughs> Anyone guilty of that? 
Come on, there you go, right? The rest of you are all liars, right? 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 So, hey, guys, go hide. Doing the dishes, five more minutes. It's like, we're hiding. We're hiding. Go hide longer, right? Right? But the game of hide and seek is simply this. Everyone hides, and you find one person, and the game's over, right? That's hide and seek, right? That's how we know hide and seek. But I remember turning a certain age, and I used to always hear my brothers, one of seven boys, hear the game manhunt, right? Manhunt, manhunt. It's like, it's like, and this is a bad illustration, it's like hide and seek on steroids, right? That's all it is. And so hide and seek is simply this. Everybody hides, and there's one person who's it. And we, we, that's the game you don't want to be in, right? You don't want to be in. But when you find someone, they're it with you. And then the two of you are it, and then you find someone else. And then the three of you are it, and when you live in a neighborhood when everybody played manhunt, I mean, this game would go on, and there'd be like 15 people, like kids, like, I'm talking about like stand by me picture, kids running down the road, finding people, and all of a sudden, that last person, and we had this old pickup truck in, in our woods that was just rusted out, and someone would always hide in it, and fortunately, there was tetanus shots back then, um, <laughs> But you'd always look there because that was like the best hiding place. But the beauty of the game is, is that the game only ends when everybody's found. That's the church. That's the church. Come here, you too. Bill and Bless. You're it. Go find someone. Go find someone. No, I'm serious. Unless the game ends, and that's a really bad game of man hunt. Great. Go find someone. Come on, let's go find someone. Michael, go find someone. I mean, your wife's sitting right next to you. There you go. Right? That doesn't count. Come on, Deb. Find someone. Right? Come on. You guys got to play this game. Did you, who you find? Come on. Tag. Right? Right? Yeah, go tag someone. Run them. Tackle them. I don't care. Whatever. Tag someone. Sure. Right? Manhunt. Right? Think about this. All right? We're going to keep going until it gets to the back. Right? Think about the game of manhunt. Think about the game of manhunt. Keep it going. Come on. Keep it going. Pablo's going to be the last one. Someone get Pablo, right? Come on. Start tagging people or this will go on all day long, right? Okay? Everyone get tagged back there. Good. You guys get tagged back there. Get them tagged, right? So, so, here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's the kingdom. And we have gotten caught up in playing kingdom hide and seek. We are playing kingdom manhunt. And when people are found, heaven rejoices. And when you were found, heaven rejoiced. And when your neighbor is found, heaven rejoices. Heaven rejoices rejoices. Plant family. The DNA of God begins with every human person matters. Lost people matter. Will you this year play the most fun, amazing game of manhunt that ends in the world's greatest celebration? Because Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he is coming back for those who know him and love him. Plant family. Let's go play manhunt.
Amen. I want to invite the band to come forward. And let this be, let this be a dedication service. Let this be a dedication. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.